Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, I'm Kathy with a K. And I'm Kathy with a C. And this is Killer Destinations. Today's destination is Columbia, South Carolina. Columbia is the capital city, and the earliest written historical records of the area date to 1570. The city is home to Fort Jackson, the largest U.S. Army installation for basic combat training. In 1801, South Carolina College, now called the University of South Carolina, was founded, and the original college building survives to this day. It became the state's flagship public university and the largest in the state. In the past 20 years, city leaders and residents have revitalized the downtown area, and what was once a warehouse district became an area of art galleries, shops, and restaurants. But in 2019, a University of South Carolina student left the downtown area after a night out with friends and got into the back seat of a car. It was the wrong car, but she couldn't have known the mistake would prove to be fatal. Samantha Josephson grew up in Robinsonville, New Jersey with her parents Seymour and Marcy and her older sister Sydney. After graduating from high school, Samantha decided that she wanted to attend the University of South Carolina and study political science. Her parents were surprised. After all, she was a Jewish girl from New Jersey and was moving to the South. Definitely a different culture. But Mr. and Mrs. Josephson wanted Sammy, as they called her, to be happy so they supported her decision to head south. During her time at the University of South Carolina, she made many friends and started dating her boyfriend during her sophomore year. She also participated in the study abroad program in Barcelona, and by the way, that makes me super jealous. I wish I could have done something like that. Anyway, in March of 2019, Samantha was looking forward to graduation in May and wanted to attend law school in the fall. On March 28, 2019, Samantha learned that not only had she been accepted at Drexel University School of Law in Philadelphia, but she earned a full scholarship. That's studly. Yeah, what a stud. On Thursday night, the place to be for the University of South Carolina students 
is the Five Points area of downtown Columbia. And Kathy mentioned earlier, you know, it had been revitalized. So it was just like this cool happening scene. So Samantha and her friends headed there to celebrate her acceptance and scholarship to Drexel. The Bird Dog Bar is close to the center of the Five Points area, which is where she and her friends wound up around 2 a.m. And Samantha was tired and wanted to go home. But since she didn't want to spoil the night for all of her friends, she went outside and called an Uber. But instead of going left to the corner where the Uber was supposed to pick up, she went right. So Samantha was supposed to be waiting for a dark-colored Dodge. And a black car then pulled up next to her, so she ran and jumped in the back seat ready to go home. Samantha had been talking to her boyfriend, Greg, before she got into the car, and he began tracking her route to make sure she got home safely. She probably shared locations with him anyway. It was a Find My Friends app that he was using. Oh, okay. Yeah. When the car didn't look like it was going the proper way, he knew something was wrong. Unfortunately, Greg was two and a half hours away in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, where he had moved after graduating the year before. Samantha's friends didn't call the police after talking to Samantha's boyfriend, Greg. They assumed she was out with friends, but when they got up the next day and saw she wasn't home, they got worried. So they checked at the restaurant where she worked and was told she hadn't shown up for her shift, which was something she never did. Samantha's friends also used Find My Friend, so they tried tracking her phone, but at some point, the tracking app stopped, so the friends went back to the bird dog at the bar they'd been at the night before to look at surveillance tapes. Now, they had friends who worked there who allowed them to take a look. I love that. I do, too. On the tapes, they saw Samantha jump into the back seat of what they thought was the Uber she'd called and drive away. At this point, it's about 1.30 p.m., so about 10 hours after Samantha had gotten into the car, her friends called the police. These friends are on it, I gotta say. They totally are. Yeah. But you know what, Kath? I could totally see you doing this, too. Police met them at the bird dog to look at surveillance video from the bar. From the video, all police could determine was the make and model of the car, which wasn't a Dodge like the Uber driver had, but a black Chevy Impala. There wasn't a front license plate, so they couldn't identify the owner of the car. But by looking at the video, police saw that the black Impala had been driving around the area for about 15 minutes. They probably got video from a lot of other places That's in exactly the area. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when they first, they so they first only had it from the bird dog. As the police watched the video, though, they were actually timing how often this black Impala passed the bar. Got it. And then when they were also able to find, obviously, additional surveillance, they could see that he was doing what they had suspected, which was circling the area. Right. The driver never talked to anyone or engaged with anyone. It just kept circling. Video showed that when the car passed by Samantha, it made a U-turn at the next light and came up and pulled into the handicapped spot right next to where she was standing. You can see Samantha running up to the car like she knew this was her ride, and she jumped in the back seat. Her friends confirmed that she'd been drinking that night, but the videos confirmed what her friends had said, and that was she wasn't intoxicated. So she wasn't out there getting drunk. She just was drinking with friends and having a good time. Right. The black Chevy Impala immediately backed out after Samantha got in, but it went in the wrong direction if it was going to be taking Samantha home, which I actually had read that her friends knew that's when Samantha would have panicked. Video surveillance from several banks in the area showed a man attempting to use Samantha's debit card multiple times, but the person had a bandana covering their face and the hood on the jacket was tied so tightly that police couldn't see who was using Samantha's cards. 
Then the staff at a Wendy's drive-thru said they might have seen him and this person had a white sheet covering the headrest and the back seat of the car. Samantha's friends called her parents and told them that Samantha was missing. So Mr. and Mrs. Josephson immediately got in their car and headed to Columbia, which is about a 10-hour drive south of their home in Robbinsville, New Jersey. In episode 207 of Killer Cases on A&E, Mr. Josephson said that they were about halfway into their trip when they got a call from the Columbia, South Carolina police asking what their ETA was. Oh, no, that's terrible. Mr. Josephson said that he knew then that finding their missing daughter was going to have a very bad ending. I can't imagine. I can't either. When the Josephsons arrived in Columbia, police told them that on Friday afternoon, now remember she went out Thursday night, two hunters looking for turkey in rural Clarendon County, about 65 miles southeast of Columbia, came across a dead body and called police. Police could not immediately identify who it was because of the condition of the face and body, but after seeing the video from the bar, they realized the body that had been found in Clarendon County was wearing the same clothes as Samantha Josephson when she disappeared. Even though police couldn't confirm the identity immediately, they just knew it was her. As Mr. Josephson held back tears, he said on the Killer Cases episode that he and his wife had to call their other daughter, Sydney, and tell her that her younger sister was dead. Sydney started screaming when they told her what had happened, and Mr. and Mrs. Josephson were devastated that they could not be there for her when they told her. Police promised the Josephsons that they would find Samantha's killer. Can you even imagine in the middle of all of this devastation that they're hearing their daughter screaming in pain? And not only are they inside, obviously, screaming in pain, they're 10 hours away and she's by herself. I, it's impossible. The next night, police officer Jeffrey Kraft decided to patrol the same area where Samantha disappeared. After patrolling for a couple hours, Officer Kraft found the car that had been on the surveillance video that he had seen, and he found it only a few blocks from where he knew Samantha had gotten into the car. Wow, the luck. I know, I know. But you know you know this guy's like, I'm going to find this guy. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, and then thankfully the guy was stupid enough to go back to the same area. Totally. So about 2.30 a.m., Officer Kraft pulled the car over, but was not aware that Samantha's body had already been discovered almost 12 hours prior. And so, Kath, what, did you read why he hadn't known or... No, it didn't say. I mean, my assumption is, is when they found the body, because it was in Clarendon County... It probably took a little while for them to contact Columbia to police. They were waiting for the Josephsons to get there so they could say anything and obviously didn't want this and to be... And identify the body. Exactly. And didn't want it to go to the press. Right, right. They just had to keep a lid on it until they were certain. Right. So and it, at this point, he's also thinking he's looking for a missing person. And so that's why it's even doubly important. I mean, obviously, right. it still would have been important, but I yeah. think that's probably why it was so high on his list. So Officer Kraft approached the car and told the driver to get out, which immediately made the driver flee. Body cams on the killer cases episode showed the police chasing after the driver and radioing in his description and fanning out to try to block him in. Okay, so on this episode, it was a little amusing because as the driver was fleeing, he had his hands in his pockets. What? And so as the police are chasing him. Wait, what do you mean? As he's running, his hands weren't like next to himself 
you know, like as he was running, he had a hand in his pocket. Okay, this is so funny, Kath. So I, I did not see this Killer Cases episode. Right. You did? I assumed he fled in his vehicle. No? No, 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 no. Sorry. No, he was on foot. Oh, my God. No, he had him get out of the car. Got it. And you could see the guy was being squirrely because this wasn't a reenactment. This was actually the body cam footage. Right, right. And he started running away and his hand is his left hand is in his pocket. And so <laughs> Officer Kraft yells at him and says, get your hand out of the pocket. What are you, stupid? Because oh <laughs> it's true. You always, exactly. Hands for, you show your hands. You show your show hands. Your hands. Good. You show your hands. Officer Kraft went back to the car because he didn't want to leave it unattended. He knew that there was possibly evidence in there. But when he got back there, it turned out there was a female passenger in the front seat. So wait, Kathy, in, in the body cam video, he's hauling ass, he's calling it in, and then he then you see him on video turning around and going back to the car? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, so... He says in this episode, I wanted to go back to the car because I wanted to make sure it wasn't unattended because there was potentially evidence in right. there. Right, he was trying to preserve. What I thought was amazing is she hadn't run, but I'm guessing, obviously, she had nothing to run for or run from. But it's like if she's sitting there going, I wonder when my uh, boyfriend's coming back. Officer Kraft asked the female passenger for the driver's identity, and she said his name was Nate. As Officer Kraft looked in the car, he found a set of keys under the driver's seat that had a pink keychain. He asked the female passenger if they belonged to her, and she said no. Next to the keys was a cell phone that also had a pink case. And again, the female passenger said they didn't belong to her. After that, Officer Kraft looked in the back seat and he found a lot of blood. So at that point, he called crime scene technicians to come out to the scene. It didn't take police long to track down the driver. Multiple officers had gone to the area and found him about two blocks away. When he was given his Miranda rights, he refused to give his name so police took him down to the station and found out that his name was Nathaniel Rowland and he was 24 years old. When asked by investigators, Rowland denied having been at five points on Thursday night, as well as in the town of New Zion. This is in Clarendon County where Samantha Josephson was found. Now, later, it turns out that Rowland's parents lived a mile away from where the hunters found Samantha and that's where he grew up. Four days after Samantha's murder, hundreds of Samantha Josephson's family and friends gathered together to say goodbye as Samantha was laid to rest. The funeral was held at Congregation Beth Chaim, the same synagogue where Samantha had her bat mitzvah. Six weeks after Samantha Josephson's murder, the University of South Carolina held their graduation ceremony where Samantha should have been receiving her degree. An empty seat with a cap and gown laid on top of it was there to honor Samantha, and her parents accepted her diploma. Kath, I can't imagine. They had the decorum. They had the, what's the word? Like I'm, they had the grace and poise. Thank you. Yeah, to get through it. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. And, and it was important for them to be there. For sure. No, totally. Bonjour. Parlez-vous français? Me neither, <laughs> despite the fact that I paid for it in college, which is why I need Rosetta Stone, and so do you. As you all know, I've used Rosetta Stone in the past for my German, and it's wonderful. And in fact, my niece is going to be studying abroad this fall, and she's going to be using Rosetta Stone so that she can learn the language and have a much more enriching experience while she's abroad. 
Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. And they have speech recognition, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. They also have two different options available to use it. It's available both on your desktop and through an app. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Killer Destinations listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The autopsy determined that Samantha had not been sexually assaulted so the police were not able to obtain DNA evidence from the semen. The police believed the evidence that they could find in the car would be the key to linking Nathaniel Rowland to Samantha's murder. So the Killer Cases episode, one of the things they showed that was very, very hard to see is they showed a photo of a bare footprint that was up against one of the backseat windows, and it was identified as being Samantha's. It was very clear evidence of her struggle to get out of the car and away from her attacker. And I got to tell you, it was hard even just as a viewer to see this footprint. Because like, because it invokes your imagination. Absolutely. Everyone can understand the struggle she had to have been going through to get that footprint where it was. Right. As crime scene technicians went through the car, they also found an eviction notice from a female friend of Roland's. It turned out to be an ex-girlfriend that was dated two days before Samantha went missing. According to Dan Goldberg, who was a solicitor for the city of Columbia, the woman who had sent the eviction notice was Roland's ex-girlfriend, Maria Howard, and she is also the same person who was in the car when the police had pulled him over. So wait a second, she sent the eviction notice how soon before this happened? It was two days before. So two days before this happened, the ex-girlfriend gives... Roland, her boyfriend, an eviction notice, right? Correct. And, and so, he had 30 days to get out. Okay. But obviously they're still driving around together. Right. They're still hanging out. Okay. Friday morning, Maria had met up with Roland. 
She was driving his car while he was in the passenger seat. So this was one day after Samantha goes, or the day after Samantha goes missing. Well, it's later that day. Because remember, she went missing about two o'clock in the morning. So late Thursday night, early Friday morning. This is later Friday morning. Got it. As Maria was driving Roland's car, he sat in the passenger seat where he put on gloves and was cleaning the car's interior, wiping down the console and the dashboard, and then grabbed a double-bladed knife, a lot of times called a a multi-tool. It has... Like you can flip out screwdriver heads or like a a Phillips head, a flathead. You've got knives in there, scissors. We have one of those on the boat if you... Oh, you're right. We do. If you recall. Exactly. I do recall. I don't think I'm allowed to touch it, though. I don't think your husband lets me near it. (laughs) He's afraid of what you might do. (laughs) (laughs) He should be. (laughs) But when Roland was cleaning this knife, it appeared to Maria that it had blood on it. It made Maria suspicious of what Roland was doing And so she repeatedly asked him. He refused to answer her and kept telling her to mind her own business. Can you imagine driving your soon-to-be evicted boyfriend around and he's got gloves on and he's cleaning up things that look like blood as you're like, gee, what are you doing? And then he tells you to mind his own business. Right, exactly. That's a throat punch moment. It's a total (laughs) throat punch moment. Police searched Maria's home to corroborate her story. Outside in the garbage, police found the knife wrapped up in plastic grocery bags, wipes, paper towels, and clothes that Maria had seen Roland wearing over the past couple of days were all covered in blood. Then there was a black leather jacket. There were striations down the front that looked like nails being dragged down the front of the jacket. Prosecutors knew that much of their case would rely on the testimony of Maria Howard against her ex-boyfriend, Nathaniel Rowland. They also knew that Maria didn't want to testify because she was scared not only for herself, but also she had a son. Now, Rowland's 24. Do we know how old Maria is? We do not know how old she is. I didn't read anything about her son's age. I'm assuming he's young. Did you read anything? No, I'm assuming she's young as well. I mean, based on the video of her being on the stand, she was very young as well. Okay, but you don't know how old her kid was? I don't. Okay. Jury selection began on Monday, July 19th, 2021 at Richland County Courthouse in Columbia. The next day, a jury of seven women and five men were chosen shortly before 1 p.m. after going through a pool of 1,000 potential jurors. Judge Clifton Newman, a trial judge for 21 years, was presiding over the trial and opening statements began once the jurors were seated. Solicitor Byron Gibson opened the case for the prosecution and told jurors about Roland prowling around five points and spotting Samantha. He said his eyes were firmly fixed on her, talking about how Samantha mistakenly got into the car, believing it was the Uber she had called and that child locks prevented her from leaving. Oh, my goodness. I know. God, what a nightmare. And imagine the fear. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, this is obviously very intentional. Child locks are something you engage physically. Right. So, Well, and actually, I've read since this time that what you're supposed to do if you get in an Uber or any ride-sharing service is when you open the door, you're supposed to check the inside of the door because that's where they have that latch. You move it up or down, and you're supposed to see it to know which way it is. Obviously, people weren't talking about it back then. But you know what, Kathy? I have never checked for child safety locks before getting into an Uber. But have you ever ridden in one by yourself? I have. Okay. 
Well, that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but actually, that just shows you the work needs to get out about it more. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. So anyway, the Richland County public defender, Alicia Good, told the jury that Roland was innocent and that despite all the evidence police had gathered at the various crime scenes, none of Roland's DNA was found on Samantha Josephson's body or clothes. Maria Howard testified on day two of the trial. Now, remember, she's the ex-girlfriend of Roland, who was in the car when Officer uh, Kraft pulled him over. Maria testified that her first question to Roland that day was what happened to the visor she needed to wear to work. So this would have been Friday morning? This would have been early Friday morning. My assumption is maybe it's a fast food job, something like that. Something, exactly. Maria said Roland told her it was in the country. She asked why, and he told her it had blood on it. When asked why it had blood on it, he told her to mind her business. Maria said she had noticed Roland's car had dried blood on the dashboard, on the sides of the car, and in the back seat. She also noticed there was a sheet over the back seat and the driver's side. Okay, so this corroborates what the Wendy's drive through employee said about seeing a car she thought was Roland. Exactly. And it had the sheet in the exact same position. Exactly. And again, when Maria asked Roland about the sheet, he told her to mind her business. Apparently, he was very good at doing that. Okay, did the prosecutor or the defense ask her if she punched him in the throat at any point during right. this? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling they left that question out. In court, Maria also identified the double-bladed knife as the knife she saw Roland trying to clean in the car on Friday. The knife she thought had blood on it. So anyway, forensics also found the knife had DNA from Roland and Samantha Josephson. Maria testified she'd been with Roland the night Samantha went missing. She said she went to sleep at 1.30 a.m., so this would be early Friday morning, and Roland was still in the house. But she woke up in the middle of the night and he was not there. He also did not answer calls she made to both of his cell phones. In addition, and I don't know why he has two cell phones. Kath, did you read anything? No. Okay. In addition, a man who owned a cell phone repair shop testified that someone had tried to sell Samantha's cell phone on the day she disappeared. On the witness stand, the man pointed to Roland when he was asked by the prosecution if he saw the seller of the cell phone in the courtroom. The final days of the trial focused on physical evidence. Mrs. Josephson, Samantha's mom, said there were times when she had to put her head down because she didn't want to see what was being shown to the jury. She said she and her husband had in their minds what had happened, but at the trial they learned it was so much worse. On the fourth day of the trial, expert witnesses testified about the DNA that was found. One DNA expert testified that the blood found in the backseat of Roland's car belonged to Samantha Josephson. By the way, Kathy, I, we haven't mentioned this yet, but they said they found between the back seat and the trunk, there was almost a gallon of blood, which is most of the blood in the human body. That right? unbelievable. And in fact, Samantha had lost so much blood that the pathologists had a really hard time getting blood from her. Oh, gosh. Now, what we haven't mentioned is also that she was stabbed 
122 times. I did not read that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It wasn't in a lot of the articles, I think, because that is such a staggering amount. Oh, that's crazy. But it was in the articles I was reading about how much blood she had lost. Wow. Another expert testified that it was highly likely that Samantha's DNA was on the back of Roland's shoe and under Roland's fingernails. A state cell phone location expert testified that Samantha's cell phone tracked with Roland's two cell phones in the hours after 2 a.m. on March 29, 2019. At some point, Samantha's phone stopped tracking, but Roland's two phones continued to show him traveling to New Zion, which is where Samantha's body was found. The defense asked a crime scene technician if she had seen any marks on Roland the day after he was arrested, any cuts, scratches, or bruises. And the investigator testified that she saw nothing on Roland's face, arms, or hands that indicated he had recently been involved in a violent struggle. After the prosecution rested their case, defense attorneys chose not to call any witnesses or put on their own case. They felt they'd made their point on the fact that none of Roland's DNA was on Samantha's body or clothes, and also that there were not any marks, cuts, or bruises two days later that might have shown that he'd been involved in some sort of attack or altercation. In closing arguments, the prosecution said Samantha Josephson had her whole life right in front of her. She could have been anything she wanted to be. Everything was hers for the taking, but the defendant did the taking. He took her life. Public defender Tracy Pinnock said in her closing arguments that there was no way that someone holding a double-bladed knife could have done all the swinging or stabbing that he's accused of doing without getting cut or stabbed themselves. The prosecution proved she put up a fight, not that Roland did it. Roland was simply part of the prosecution's narrative, but the state had not proven Roland kidnapped or killed her. The prosecution did prove that Roland was caught with Samantha's cell phone, but he wasn't on trial for that. The jury came back with a unanimous verdict after one hour and seven minutes, guilty. The court immediately moved to sentencing. The prosecution had already decided not to seek the death penalty, and Judge Newman gave Samantha's parents and sister an opportunity to speak. A devastated Mrs. Josephson said, Her dreams were my dreams, and her death was my death. I close my eyes, and I feel what she endured at his hands. Mr. Josephson said that the thought of his daughter being murdered has almost been too much for him to bear over the past two years. Do I tell you that I contemplated suicide several times over the past 28 months? Mr. Josephson asked the court. To me, the monster has stolen that bright light this enthusiasm for life out of me. I try to stop having these thoughts or desires only because I'm afraid of what this would ultimately do to Sydney and Marcy. I can't imagine how Mrs. Josephson and Sydney felt hearing, hearing him say that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mr. Josephson also told the court he still can't look at pictures of his daughter, Samantha, because those images are now tainted with thoughts of her struggling for her life and pressing her bloody foot against Roland's car window. Like I said, I mean, I just saw the video of it or the episode. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. Yeah. Quote, I still to this day can't believe she is gone. I keep waiting for her. 
to walk through the door saying, hey, in only the way that she does, said Mr. Josephson. The defense called Roland's mother, Loretta, to speak for him. Mrs. Roland began by saying that her son was innocent, but Judge Newman immediately shut her down. He told her if she had testimony to give, she should have done it during the trial. She was not a witness. So, Kathy, this is important because this is the penalty phase, and they could introduce witnesses on his behalf. They're not supposed to say he's innocent because the guilt phase is over, and the victim's family is sitting there listening to this. Wow. Nathaniel Rowland was given a chance to speak, and he said, I'm innocent, but I guess what I know and what I think really doesn't matter. I just wish the state would have done more in finding out who the actual person was instead of being satisfied with detaining me and proving my guilt. Judge Newman said this was the most severe murder he'd ever seen. Remember, he's been a trial judge for 21 years. Mm -hmm. And that he dealt with the heartless and Nathaniel Rowland fell into that category. A person without any remorse whatsoever, a depraved heart. The judge said the sentence in this case was easy. Life. Since that time, the Josephsons have launched a campaign so that what happened to their daughter, Samantha, does not happen to anyone else. After their daughter's death, Mr. and Mrs. Josephson established the What's My Name Foundation so that no other family had to suffer the same kind of loss. The goal was to educate people about rideshare safety and support charitable foundations and award college scholarships. Mr. and Mrs. Josephson worked with lawmakers to advocate for policies that enhance safety for rideshare passengers. And on June 5, 2019, just a month after Samantha was murdered, the Samantha L. Josephson Ridesharing Safety Act was signed into law in South Carolina. Since that time, New Jersey, North Carolina, and New York have passed similar legislation. So, Kathy, what's the deal with that? So, it's a couple of things, but one of them... And of course, it's the what's my name part of it is they want any person who has ordered a rideshare service such as Uber or Lyft or any of them to open the backseat door and look in and say to the driver, what's my name? If this is actually the car that they've ordered, the driver will be able to tell them their name. That makes sense. It doesn't seem like it should take legislation, but it makes sense. I agree with you. It should be something that all of these companies want to do to protect their riders. Right. But, I mean, we as the consuming public, we have a responsibility to protect ourselves. And frankly, I've never done that. I haven't either, but I will now. Yeah, no, totally. And not only that, we do have the responsibility, but it also means that we need to get the word out. We need to be telling our friends, our family, people on Instagram who follow us, tell them that this needs to be done. Because honestly, if you've never had a bad experience, you don't think about it and you don't do it. You put that in someone's mind, you're going to do it. Totally. Totally, I agree. Samantha Josephson's death prompted the University of South Carolina to launch a campaign entitled What's My Name to help their students stay safe while using ride-sharing services. As we mentioned earlier, in May 2019, Samantha was posthumously awarded her political science degree at the class of 2019's graduation ceremony. At the end of the ceremony, the university president asked the class to all say together, 
What's my name? My name is Samantha Josephson. That gives me goosebumps. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. If you liked us, and hopefully you did if you stayed this long, exactly, tell a friend. And follow us on our social media channels. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Destinations Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.